0: Where we began reading this morning is in the middle of a story, a story that we're all pretty familiar with. In fact, it comes right after one of my favorite miracles that Jesus performed. A man came to Jesus and said, my daughter is sick and she's dying. Would you come to my house? And while Jesus, and the Bible said there's a great multitude there, while Jesus is on his way to this man's house to heal his daughter. Another woman fights through the crowd and touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and she is instantly healed. Interestingly enough, the connection in these two stories, the woman who was healed had been sick for 12 years. The little girl, no connection, but uh, the little girl who is uh, lying sick, and Jesus on the way to her house, she's 12 years old. So that little girl had lived the same amount of time that this woman had been sick. No great truth there, just interesting connection. So the woman is healed who touches Jesus' garment, but immediately after they leave, the lady who gets healed, a servant comes from the man's house, the man who had come to get Jesus and say, could you come to my house? My daughter is deathly sick. They're on their way again, and a servant comes and meets them. And you can tell from a distance that the news is not good because his head is hanging low. You know how you, when you have to give bad news, you sort of try to prepare the person for what you're about to say. You don't want to just blurt it out. No doubt his head is hanging low as he approaches, and the man knows the fact that you came at all is not good. And the look, your body language tells me this is not going to be good. And he comes up and he speaks to his master and, and his, his, his uh, uh, boss, and he says, trouble not the master. Your daughter has died. I want you to notice that the man doesn't even have time to respond. Jesus heard what the messenger said, and here's what he says. Fear not, believe only. Fear not, believe only. I think it's interesting that Jesus was not only concerned about the answer that this man was going to get. But Jesus' words, fear not, believe only, tell me that he was also interested in that man's heart and his peace at that very moment. I don't know how long the journey was. Was it going to be a 10-minute walk? Was it going to be a one-hour walk? I don't know. But whatever the duration of this walk, Jesus was concerned that this man should have peace in his mind and heart as they made the journey. You say, what do you mean? Jesus, I don't believe, was telling this man to believe so that his daughter would be healed. The man's daughter was going to be healed. The man's daughter was going to be raised. Why? Because Jesus was going there. So Jesus was not saying, believe so that she'll be healed. I don't believe that. Show me a place in the Bible where Jesus went to the scene where the miraculous didn't happen. This man's miracle was on its way. But Jesus said, while we, until we get there, while we're on our way, fear not. Believe only. Can I remind you that if, if you have prayed, if you're asking Jesus, if you have asked Jesus to come onto the scene of your problem, and maybe you've done that many times, and maybe you've asked him again and again, Lord, I've put this into your hands and I'm letting you know again today, I'm trusting you with the outcome here. Can I reassure you, your answer is coming? Your solution is coming. You can, you can set it in stone if God promised. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The Bible is full of promises reassuring us that when his children ask him to get involved, he gets involved. And when God gets involved, big things happen. Your victory is on its way. That's not hype. That's not, you know, turn to the person next to you and say, my victory is on the way. Uh, That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying on the basis of the word of God, if you have gotten God involved and you're a child of God living in covenant with Him, you have His word that when He steps in, your answer is coming. But man, what do you do to get there? And Jesus said, I'll tell you what to do to get there. Fear not. Believe only. Faith and fear are opposites. To the degree that you're believing, you're not fearful. To the degree that you're afraid and fearful, you're not believing. Jesus says, fear not, believe only. Now, undoubtedly, this man had some degree of fear and some degree of faith. And when the servant came and said, never mind, call it off, she died. To all of us, those words mean it's over. But Jesus immediately turned to the man and said, fear not, believe only. What, you're still coming to my house? I'm still coming to your house, let's keep walking. And imagine the confusion in that man's mind that, what are we going to do? (laughs) What's what's he going to do when he gets there now? Because it's over now. Fear not. Believe only. You're going through a crisis. There's so much uncertainty ahead. You're doing your very best to make things go right. You've done everything you know how to do, and through it all, you're on your face before God. God, please show me the way. God, please show me the answer. Lord, take me there. But all the while, you can't help it. There's just this uncertainty in your heart. What's going to happen? How are we? I know I'm supposed to do this big picture I know that God's will for my life is to go down this road, but what about this hurdle? What about this obstacle? We talked about in our adult Bible class. I know we're supposed to enter the promised land, but what about this river that's in front of us? God says, fear not, believe only. To the extent that you're believing, you're not fearful. To the extent that you're fearful, you're not believing faith and fear listen very carefully faith and fear have this in common that they are each based upon what you accept as truth if you put your your confidence in the economy you're going to be fearful when the economy is weak. If you put your faith in uh, the promises of God, such as seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all these needs, all these provisions shall be added unto you. If your faith is genuinely in the promise of God, then the fluctuation of the economy won't freak you out. Faith and fear, each is based upon what you accept as truth. Let me give you a crazy example. I really don't get fearful. I'm talking about you know, anxiety kind of stuff. I don't get that much. And one reason is, by the way, that with God's help, by God's grace, when I'm going into an uncertain situation, I do my best before God to prepare my heart for it. See, we all like to be in control of our circumstances, and that's a good thing. That's, that's a, a, a characteristic of responsible people that we have prepared so that we are in control of the circumstances that we face. face. But life, no one's life allows them to be 100% in control of their circumstances all the time. And so when we get in a situation where we can't control the outcome, that's when fear sets in. That's when anxiety and nerves and panic set in. So what I do is I try to seek to strengthen my faith before I enter in. Because what we're going to come down to, and I'll get to this in a second, what we're going to come down to is a moment where I'm going to have to decide between faith and fear. And my ability to choose faith is going to depend upon how much I trust God. How much I take God at His word. All right, Let me give you a, a crazy example. But it is one of the places where I can tell you I feel fear. Haven't felt it in years, okay? But at Six Flags, uh, I'm, I'm okay with roller coasters. Now, there's some I don't prefer. I've never done the King to Ka. That's crazy. But uh, they all start with K there. King da Ka, crazy. But anyway. Um, I don't mind roller coasters. One reason I don't mind them so much, and I'm not an engineer, maybe I'm totally wrong about this, but this is what's in my head, so this is why I don't get fearful, all right? And that is, I know that the downward pressure on my body against the seat is going to hold me in that that seat, all right? And when you go through a loop, and you know, that's when everybody's "Ah!" going through a loop, I know that I am being pushed so hard into that seat. There's no way I'm coming out of that seat. And I take that as great, great comfort. But now there's one roller coaster at Great Adventure that I've ridden. I ride it because when I don't ride it, the teenagers call me chicken. And uh, so I'm not going to wear that. And so uh, it, it, it's the only one that absolutely the whole time I'm on it, I'm telling you the truth, I am panicking. And it's the Superman ride. Let me tell you why. The Superman ride does not push you into your seat. It pushes you from your seat. You sit down, and this, they bring this harness over your head, and it locks you in. And uh, as soon as everybody's locked in, the chair that you're sitting in is like this, is vertical, and all at once, they all move horizontal like that. So now you're, it's forward. I don't know if you can picture that. It's kind of probably hard to picture if you've never seen it. But as you're sitting there, it moves you so that, and you're supposed to be like, so that if you put your hands out, you're like flying like Superman. And we used to go, uh, every year we'd take the teenagers and, and uh, I would, uh, in line for Superman. One year, I said to the teenagers that were with us probably 10 years ago, I was totally serious. I said, uh, you know, this is, this is where I got the assurance of my salvation. And the teenagers were like, really? Wow. And uh, because here's the thing. On every other roller coaster, when you go through a loop, it's pushing you into your seat. But when you go on the Superman, you go on this outer loop, it is pushing you Out. Your seat, and here's all I can think of, and this is why I panic. All I can think about is I wonder how strong the bolt is that's holding this harness in because I'm in the neighborhood of 300 pounds. And if they tested this on a 120-year-old person, 120-year-old person, yeah, 120-pound person, is this bolt good? How, you know, I've seen bolts and bolt locks and so forth. And, you know, sometimes they've got that little uh, slip edge like you've got on your doorknob where you can slip it through with a credit card. And I'm, I'm picturing, is that kind of the kind of end that's on? This is all I can think about. And uh, so that's why as we're going on these loops and I'm thinking, I'm going on this outside loop. If this thing lets go, there's nothing holding hold me back. I'm dead. I'm right down there, a big old pile of splat right there on the ground. And uh, so that's when I, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. (laughs) And I know I deserve to be punished. But I'm not doubting my salvation, but I just want you to know if anything happens, I want to be seeing your face by the blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, so, and I'm joking about that uh, a little bit. (laughs) But that's what I'm talking about. Most of my life, I got to tell you, most of my life, I spend in a in a pretty fear free state of mind. Until I get to that place where my knowledge of the circumstances is stronger than my faith in God's promises. You say, well, don't you think God's strong enough to protect you on the Superman ride? Here's the thing, I picture standing before him coming, you know, still wearing my great adventure clothes. I'm standing before God and I've still got my bracelet on, you know. And God's saying, nobody made you ride that thing. <laughs> oh yeah? They called me chicken. <laughs> Your teenagers called me chicken. But, uh, but I can hear God saying, hey, I've got promises. I keep them all, but nobody made you get on that ride. There comes a time In your life when you are tested to find out if your faith in God's promises are stronger than your acceptance of the circumstances. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. Yeah, but I lost my job. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches. Yeah, but they raise the interest rate. Call upon me, and I will answer. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. Show the greater my things which I know. Yeah, but things are impossible. Everything's falling apart. Everything's breaking all at once, and I don't have the money to pay for it. What are we gonna do? There's no hope in sight. There's no end in sight. What you gonna believe? The reason we panic, the reason we freak out, the reason we have anxiety, and the reason that we live in a place of panic and anxiety is because our fear, our acceptance of the circumstances is stronger than our faith. Faith is taking God at his word. I think I'm afraid that when we see that Jesus said, believe only, That we're picturing something like, you know, like the little engine that could. Like we're going to talk ourselves into believing that everything's okay. That is not faith. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. That'll get me there. No, it won't get you there. That's not faith. Faith is That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. God promised. God, you promised. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. God, you promised I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God, you promised I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Oh, God. that's faith is taking God at his word. When you come to the choice between faith and fearing, faith and anxiety, faith and the tendency to freak out, faith and your unstable emotions, faith and panic, when you come to that place, you will choose the one that you truly believe in the most. You will either say, God promised to take care of me. Oh, that looks scary. Yeah, but God promised to take care of me. Oh, but this is a dangerous. Yeah, but God promised to take You'll either push aside the fear and grab onto the faith, or here's what most believers do. We push aside the faith. Oh, this is the scariest thing I've ever... Yeah, but my God, I know all that, but this is so scary. Yeah, but that will keep him in prayer. I know all that, but this is so scary! We push aside the faith. This is not a verbatim Bible promise, but it's based in Bible promises. It wouldn't be a bad idea for you to remember this. If God wants me to live there's no way I can die. And if God wants me to die, there's no way I can live. That's not a verbatim Bible promise, but it's supported by a whole bunch of promises. I am he that openeth and no man shutteth. I am he that shutteth and no man openeth. There's no bigger door than the door of life and death. If God wants you alive, nothing can kill you. If God wants you dead, nothing's going to keep you alive. My weekday mornings for the last two and a half months have been, and you can set your clock by it. I pull into the hospital parking lot. I park in the same spot every day, unless some dumb doctor. Because uh, every time my spot is taken, it says MD on the license plate. So, but anyway, I park in my same spot. I'm walking into the hospital at 740 every single day. I walk in. I don't even have to stop at the front desk. The lady at the front desk ain't even there yet. I just walk on through. I walk to to the thing. I'm changing into my hospital clothes. By 748, I'm on a stretcher. They're taking my blood pressure, my temperature, my sugar. They're laying me down. They're making sure I've got... uh, including my wedding ring, everything that is non-cotton. And uh, they lay me down on the stretcher. They put a wristband on me because that keeps me grounded. Uh, they say nobody has com- uh, spontaneously combusted yet. And so they put the bracelet on me that's, that's connected and it grounds me. Literally, that's what it's for. They put a little thing on my chest that is oxygen. I'm going into a tank that is going to be filled with oxygen. I haven't figured out what the oxygen mask is for yet. But anyway, it's there in case I need it. And I guess I'm going to know if I ever need it. And uh, every day the nurse says the same thing. Ready? Yep, I'm ready. And they slide me into this tube that's just barely larger than I am. Now, before I did this the first time, which was uh, the beginning of June, before I did this the first time, They asked me, are you claustrophobic? No. Do you get anxious about anything? No, I'm a a pretty pretty calm dude. Okay. And I had to sign saying that I'm a pretty calm dude. Not in those words, but. And uh, they slid me in there. I got to tell you, about the second or third day, I'm in there. And it hits me. I can't get out. So I have a choice. I can freak out or I can focus right away on God's promises. So I choose to push that aside. And I'm telling you, about once a week, it hits me. You can't get out of here. So I push it aside, and I go to God's promises. If you don't have a firm grasp on God's promises, when anxiety hits, you have nothing to go to. Positive thinking is not going to get you away from anxiety. Faith in God's promises will rescue you from anxiety. Amen. I remember about the third or fourth day in, the uh, Hows Anderson tour group was here, and Brother Teff was here, and we were at Bertucci's eating a, uh, lunch or something, and Brother Teff sitting across from me. He said, uh, so, he said, uh, tell me what this thing is like, and I described it to him, and I told him about my first little bout of anxiety that just lasted a half a second. Well, at first he said, yeah, are you claustrophobic? I said, no, but I told him about this little bout of anxiety. And he goes, uh, so what would be the difference between claustrophobia and anxiety? And I said, shut up. There's, uh, uh, but I can overcome anxiety. Panic, whatever it is, you can too. If you have a firm grasp on the word of god by faith. Now let me close by by saying the way to overcome your fears, your anxiety, your panic, your tendency to freak out, your unstable emotions, the way to overcome those things is to strengthen your faith. To believe in god's promises more than you believe in the circumstances. To believe that god overrules the circumstances. How do you strengthen your faith? Very quickly. Number 1, know god's promises. If you face a panic situation and you don't have any you don't know any promises, you have a gun with no bullets in it. You are Barney Fife, you have a gun with no bullets. Know God's promises, Memorize God's promises. How can you? Claim God's promises if you don't have them in your mind and in your heart. Commit it to memory. Know his promises, memorize his promises, and then meditate on God's promises. One of my favorite to claim ever, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let that flow through your mind. Let the promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, let it flow through your mind again and again and again. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Let it flow through your mind again and again and again. The promises of God. Know God's promises. Memorize them. Meditate on them. And let me say, pray God's promises. God loves to hear his word. Quote it to him. And I don't mean necessarily, no, God, you said. I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, Lord, I thank you so much that you promised. When you pass through the valley, I will be with thee. You, I thank you so much that you promised the joy of the Lord is your strength. I thank you so much that you promised They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you so much for your promise. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Pray God's promises. And finally, learn God's character. Learn God's character. Somebody, when Brother Cox was here, he recommended, oh, he recommended a bunch of books. He also recommended a bunch of authors. He said, read anything you can written by Alexander White. By the way, that's W-H-Y-T-E, White. He was a, a Scottish preacher from a couple hundred years ago. And I ordered a book by Alexander White, and it's just phenomenal. The whole book, it's about that thick, and it's a book about the life of Jesus Christ. And every stage of Jesus' life is, a, is an in-depth chapter. You say, Pastor, that sounds like the most boring reading in the world. It is if you don't know and you don't love Jesus Christ. That would be, it would be boring. Just like you reading the letters that I have written to my wife would be, Totally boring to you, but not to her. They're not. A book describing the character and the life and the person of Jesus Christ to someone who knows Christ and loves Him is like, oh man, I gotta read more. It's a page turner. I can't put it down. I mean it. And when you learn the character of Jesus Christ, guess what? Even when you might not be able to get your mind on a promise, a specific promise. You have the reminder, hey, I know Jesus. I know he's not going to let me down. I know my heavenly father. I know he's not going to abandon me because that's not who he is. Maybe you can't find a specific promise that applies to the circumstance you're in. But you know the character of God will not fail you. It never has before, never has failed anyone. And don't think you're so important that you're going to be the first person that God ever fails. Learn his character. The way to overcome your fears, the way to overcome your anxiety, your panic, your freaking out, your your unstable emotions is to strengthen your faith so that you can abandon those things and fear not, believe only. Believe only. Take God at his word. Father, I pray that you'd help us today to fear not, believe only. Fear not. Believe only. Very quickly, we're going to baptize this morning. Keep your head bowed and eyes closed for a moment. But let me just ask you before Brother Freddie comes and makes some announcements before we baptize. Let me ask you, who's got a burden today? Who's got a concern today? Where you say, you know, I got, Pastor, it's getting to me. This one, it's it's it's. This one is tough. I don't know what I'm going to do. I pray that God gives me grace to take him at his word. To fear not, but to believe only. Would you Would you pray for me, Pastor, please? You slip up your hand and I will. Lord, you see the hands. Lord, more importantly, you see the, the fear, the anxiety, maybe even the panic, the concern that's attached to each hand that is raised. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to come to the place where we take you at your word. We learn your promises. We meditate on your promises. We memorize them. We pray through them. We learn about your character so that we can abandon those fears and latch on to our God. Teach us how to do that. Give us that kind of a peace. Why don't we stand this morning while I prepare to baptize? If you want to take a moment with God, you can stand to your feet. The piano will play. If you want to make a visit to the altar, do business with God, you can do that. Then, as soon as we're done praying, Brother Freddie's going to come. He's going to give you some announcements this morning. And if we're not uh, ready to baptize yet at that point, Brother Steve will come.